Welcome back to Thirsty the Podcast. I'm Laura Koo. And I'm Heather McGee. Right now, we are talking about how to design a dating strategy with special guest Maggie DeGan, supported by our presenting sponsor, Custom Core Fit. Welcome back, everybody. As a reminder, subscribe on Spotify or Apple for just $1.99 a month for some additional content in the thirst trap. It's a great way to support the show, and you'll get two bonus episodes a month, as well as an ongoing, all-the-time 10% off discount in the Thirsty Shop for some sweatshirts and hats and fun stuff. The shop is at thirstythepodcast.com. And again, a great place to get some stuff. But if you subscribe, then you get a discount. Also, as a reminder, please share this show with anyone you think who might enjoy the content. Rate, review, and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. Thank you for coming back. We are talking about dating strategies today. And I am so excited to have my friend Maggie here. You know, when it comes to dating, you can go into it willy-nilly like a monster You know, there's nothing wrong with that. There are some things you can do uh, to actually create a strategy. You can think about strategically. I think it's good to try different things when you date. Try just seat of your pants. Try thinking intentionally. Try having goals. Try having principles. I think that's the only way you figure out what works for you. Try different things. Be willing to experiment. And today, I'm so excited to have our friend Maggie DeGand with us. Now, I met Maggie last summer because we dated the same guy and we found out by accident. And now Maggie and I are friends. It is a wild story. And you can listen to it on episode 39 if you want to. And then there's a subscription episode called Better Off Babes, number 40. If you want to hear the whole story, it is pretty funny. However, today, we're not talking about that. We are talking dating strategy. I love the way Maggie approaches dating. She has such a fun approach to it. She actually treats it a lot like a scientific data-backed strategy. I know you've been trying a lot of different things, Maggie, seeing what you like and how it works for you. I've been doing the same thing. So we thought today it'd be really fun to talk about it. And Laura could be happy she's not doing this at all right now because she's in a relationship. But I will say Maggie and I are having a lot of fun, trying new things, seeing what works for us. Um, but first, Maggie, now you've been divorced. I wonder if you might could share just a little bit about your background and story so everyone can kind of get to know you a little bit better. Sure. So um, I have been divorced since June of 2021. And when I first um, ended, when that relationship ended, I did what I think a lot of women do. And they think, what's going to make me feel better right now? And that's going to be to get out there. You know, you have a lot of those things in your head wondering, do I still have it? Am I going to still be desirable to somebody else? Oh my gosh, that first time of kissing someone, it just seemed so daunting. So I thought, well, rip the bandaid off, make a a dating profile, get out there. So that's what I did. I didn't really put any thought into a strategy other than, you know, do I swipe left? Do I swipe right? Oh my gosh, how does that work? So I got involved with a handful of different people by just going on some dates. I actually fell into a relationship for about six months, which was pretty good. But looking back on it now, I realize that I tolerated a lot that I probably shouldn't have. And I wouldn't now. So I've learned a lot through those different relationships. And yes, I met you, Heather, from dating the same guy. And like you said, that's a whole other podcast. So, um, you know, I, that's, I guess my history, uh, a little synopsis of where I've been. And so since then I've kind of come up with a new strategy, which I laugh about, um, when we talk, you know, it's very different from your strategy right now, which is why I think this is going to be a cool episode just to talk about the two different camps there. So, 
Maggie, I think it's very common to when you start dating, right? You don't put a lot of thought into it in part because it's all new and you don't know what to expect. And it feels it's either exciting or you're nervous about it. Like there's a lot of emotions that go into it. So, I mean, I was the same way where I didn't put any thought into it. I just kind of showed up and then (laughs) kind of found out, you know, you find out as you go along and you don't spend a lot of time really like being a little bit more methodical or thoughtful about an approach. Um, So yeah, I think it's, you know, show up and find out a lot of the times. I was going to say, I think one of the first things that I, that I thought about doing differently the second time around, when I first downloaded the apps, my thought was I need to find the pictures that I look the best in. Where are the pictures where I feel hot? You know, that someone's going to swipe on this picture. They're really going to like this picture. I look good here. And that's what I used on my profile. And sure, did that get me some attention? Absolutely. But was it the attention that I was looking for? Not at all. And if you look at the quality of dates that I had in that state of mind, it really reflects the effort that I put into my profile. So I guess we could start there when we dive into this episode. I think that would be a really good place to start because I think if we're we're thinking about intention, it really does have to start with the app. So I can tell you more about that. Well, I think, well, you're making me think of too, because I, so we both been, so I've known Maggie for a little bit of a minute now where we both have been through a couple rounds of dating, but I remember we talked about your profile recently and getting to know Maggie in the short amount of time I've known you, you are, you've got a real goofy side and something I thought that was interesting to your point when you were doing your new profile after being back out dating again, you have some goofy pics on there that I think show your personality pretty well because I couldn't agree more. I did the same thing. It's like, oh, it's like my playboy profile. And like, yeah, someone might want to take you out, but it's actually not who I am. It's not who I am. And I wasn't showing that part. I needed some help at the beginning because my pictures were so bad. I didn't have any pictures of myself really that weren't me with like kids. And so I had absolutely, or my ex-husband's a photographer. So I had a lot of pictures taken by him, which I wasn't going to use on my dating profile. I was, I, I was not, it was not good. So I think I had the opposite situation happening from you, Maggie. It is such a good point though. Like what kind of, okay. So what kind of picture, how do you think about your pictures recently when you've like put your profile together, Maggie? So I really started to think about myself as, you know, your profile is kind of like your resume. So you want to put out there, um, a, a image or an idea, not necessarily an image because you want it to be an accurate, um, portrayal of who you are as a person. So I want the people who are looking through my profile to know certain things about me based on the pictures that they're seeing, because that's all they really have in the beginning. People make such a quick decision of swiping left and right. So I want them to get an idea of the things that I'm interested in, the things that make me laugh, um, the things that I like to do in my free time, if I have any hobbies. So I really tried to make an effort when I was looking at my profile. Okay. If I'm on Bumble, for example, you get six pictures. So I thought, all right, I do want one picture that's more of a, a shot where I feel really beautiful or sexy or confident, right? So there's one of those maybe. So that might be a more up close picture of my face just to, so people know what I look like. They, I, you know, full smile. I have all my teeth, that kind of thing. That's um, important. So I didn't important. think about that. I have all my teeth and I didn't put any selfies that showed my teeth. And someone said, well, just FYI, it looks like you have problems with your teeth with the pictures. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't even think about that. Yes. I had a man actually, once asked me to send him a picture of me smiling with my teeth showing. Cause he, and I, and that was when I was newer to dating. I'm like, well, this is weird, but like, it's a thing. I think it's a bit of an overstep to ask for that picture, but you do want to show, you know, 
um, those important characteristics. Anyway, moving on. So there's one picture where I, I feel like it's a, it's a face photo. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I also want to show a picture of me doing an activity or something that I love. So I had a picture of my sister and I, after we finished, um, a 15 K now I don't love 15 Ks, but I'm active. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not a huge runner like you are Heather, but I, I do enjoy doing act, active things. Um, I also have a picture on there that would let someone know that I'm a parent. Now I have very mixed opinions about putting kids on profiles. It is a major turnoff. If I see a man have a picture of their children without any sort of effort to clear out their face, I think that's a Mm -hmm. major red flag. Um, but I will put a picture with my children, but I will basically cover their entire body with like a huge heart emoji or something. So you can't see any information about my kids but you can see that I'm, I'm a mom. Um, I also have a photo on there of me as Napoleon dynamite. And that's because in my profession, I am a, I present professional development for school at, at a, at a school for teachers. And part of my job is to write curriculum and training in a funny way. It's kind of how I keep our audience engaged. And I co-host with another person. And so we'll do different characters. So I have this side-by-side, we did Napoleon. Uh, I did Napoleon Dynamite. And um, so I put a side-by-side of me and Napoleon. And I said like, who wore it better or something. So it's really silly. It's goofy. It shows that I have that that goofy side. And I think that's important. You know, is it a flattering picture? Do I look hot? No, I look horrible. I look like a man, but you know, (laughs) I think that, you know, anybody looking for somebody that might be a little goofy, they might think, okay, she's silly. She's not super serious all the time. So. Yeah. Well, and I think too, like all of these things are so important showing who you really are. Cause I've come such a long way from like, Oh, look how hot I am to like, this is who I am which is different. That's a different approach. And it's also going to um, making sure that you're showing the things that you can't change or that you're not going to change. Like I have kids. I don't have any pictures with kids on my profile, but I do have a line that says I have two young kids and I am divorced. That's not changing. And so anyone that's not into that, move along. Full body shots. Those are important too. Like for myself, I'm very proud of my body, but I'm not a size two. And some men have feelings about that. Keep on going if you're not into that. Like all those things that are who you are. I also have an executive title. I have been told multiple times, and I can't believe this. Y'all will both be horrified. I'm positive to dumb down my title because I have an executive title at a global tech company. And I have been told, you know, that's really, that could be really intimidating to men. I was like, well, I don't want that man. I don't want that man. If he's going to be intimidated by like who you are, I think those are the things you do have to put out there because you're not going to want anyone that has issues with those things. First, I was watching a TikTok right before this, of course, and uh, there was a, <laughs> it was a whole thing about if you like lead with your accomplishments like that, that you're putting your masculine energy out there and a masculine man won't be attracted to you. So bleh, on that, but I think all of what y'all have described is like, what are you looking for? Like, because everything you laid out, you know, it's how I would approach things too. And that's what I'm looking for. I want to know who you are, what you're interested in more, you know, like those pieces of your life. And so I feel like you're putting out what you also, you know, want to get back or what you're looking for in a profile, because I wouldn't swipe on anybody who didn't show that they were active and had a lot of hobbies and were a really well-rounded person. Yeah. And on on that note too, I I remember I had a friend of mine want to set me up with a man and he asked her to send some pictures of me. And so she sent him one of my 
photos that I had done in a gym and cause I'm a, a bikini competitor. So I'm also Heather, like you said, I'm, I'm very proud of my physique. I work really hard on it and it's a part of my life and who I am, the training and all of those things. And she sent him a picture of me and he wrote back, Oh wow. She looks like she could kick my ass. And, but, and not in a good way, like he was ah. not interested mm-hmm. and I thought, well, that's fine. Then, you know, I don't want somebody that's intimidated by that because I also want to be with someone that values their health and prioritizes exercise. And, um, I don't want to be with somebody that I shoulder press more than let's just face it. <laughs> well, and also somebody who, no matter what your hobbies are, can, approach it in a way of supporting you and lifting. If you think that's not their thing, if bodybuilding isn't their thing, that's fine. That's not for everybody, but they can understand and appreciate that. It's something that you find a lot of joy in and that you work hard at and that they can support you in that because there are a lot of, you know, I think we've all dated people who just can't get themselves into that place to be just a supportive person. And I don't want to date somebody who doesn't appreciate or value my life in the same way that I would support them. Yeah, absolutely. I want to cheerleader. You know, someone that like when I succeed or if I accomplish something is like so excited for me and I want to do that for them. So yeah, I guess this is all just giant plus one. We all agree. Agreed by jury. (laughs) It's no secret that Laura and I are passionate about being active and taking care of our bodies. Today's presenting sponsor, Custom Core Fit, is a virtual coaching service that seeks to empower and educate clients while providing the tools and knowledge necessary to change the way you approach your health. They'll work with you to create fully customized fitness and nutrition programming designed for long-lasting, healthy results. Your program will include weekly check-ins and coaching sessions covering weight and cardio training, family-friendly recipes, one-on-one accountability, and personalized nutrition planning. They'll be there for you every step of the way as you work to achieve your health and fitness goals. And one thing that is like out there a lot on dating apps, and so there's so much dating advice out there. And to be honest, I disagree with like 85% of it at least. But there's one thing that's out there that I have a little bit of a trigger reaction to, but I'm not going to say it's bad. I think it's just so proliferated out there about dating with intention. So I kind of want to like bring that here. What do y'all think that means to date with intention? What does that mean to you? I think that again, like we said, it kind of starts with your profile. You put out there what you're hoping for in return, right? Like I'm doing those things intentionally because I want to portray myself and who I am because I want to find somebody that really is interested in learning more about those things about me. Um, And so I also look for profiles that look like people have made an effort. So that kind of like when, when you're on say Tinder and somebody doesn't have any description, they don't take the time to write anything about themselves. Maybe they just put up one or two pictures of just their like abdomen, you know, that tells me nothing. If I'm there for just a good time, maybe I would consider swiping on that person. But my intention isn't for that. My intention is to find a partner and, um, you know, we may still be figuring out what that looks like, but my intention is for more than just that hookup. So I'm looking for somebody that's also putting effort into building a profile with some depth. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's like coming to the table, ready to date in a real way. There's no games. Like, you know, there's just a same level of effort and transparency and all of those things. Um, I will say that the person I dated last year had a blank Tinder profile, which I normally would not swipe on. And I did, and he was really great. 
and we had a, a nice relationship and I'm happy I met him and all those things. Like there were, was a lot of positive there. And again, I normally wouldn't have gone for that because I didn't know anything. But what bothered me during the relationship is that I never knew what he was going to, what he would put in a profile. So, and he was a little bit more closed off as far as communication. So it was always really challenging because I didn't know, like, are you looking for, were you ever looking for a relationship? Why were you on Tinder? Like I never had any information to go off of, which in hindsight, yeah, I could have asked those questions, but I feel like sometimes it's nice just to have that laid out for you. So I understand that we're both coming from the same place and that we both want, you know, can move in the same direction. So. Oh my gosh, Laura, you just said something so profound for me. I'm having a moment right now. There's a man that I have been seeing a little bit here and there. um, And one of the first things I noticed, and I asked him, I remember I asked him this on our first date, he left that part of his profile off where it says, what are you looking for? And I I remember asking him, but I was a little drunk. So I kind of forget what what he said. Reflecting on it now, I mean, he never answered that question. And here we are a few months later, and he has zero intention of having any sort of a relationship. And I think he was pretty much honest about that up front. You know, Um, he didn't put looking for something serious. He didn't put monogamy. So I can't be mad at him that he's not doing that right now or, or pursuing that more. So I think that's something really important to pay attention to when out there looking, if you, if you are dating with intention that you start by looking for people that are looking for the same things that you are. And often if something is blank, there's a reason either somebody doesn't (laughs) want to commit to an answer because they want to kind of pick depending on who they meet, which is not great, or they don't know what they want. And then you're dating someone who has no clue what their goal, like, I don't know. I feel like it's challenging. Just fill out your profiles, people. I mean, I have to be honest, y'all are describing me until the last six weeks. (laughs) I mean, Laura knows, especially like, don't come at me with defining the relationship. Don't try to like put labels on things. Let's not say that. Like, here's the thing. Like, I might be dating someone and I'm not seeing anyone else. I'm not sleeping with anyone else. There's no one else in the picture. But as soon as there's a label on it, I get very uncomfortable. It's like, let's just live in fantasy land where we're we're acting well, but we're not actually talking about, which is so unhealthy. But I will propose. So I have an, an additional way to think about dating intentionally. The way I'm thinking about it right now is driving the bus. making decisions, uh, taking action, dating in an empowered way. Does this feel good? Am I into this person? And if I'm not sure about it, calling it off, which for me, that feels right. Like in the past, when I've heard dating with intention, for me, I think because I have such an issue with commitment and labels, I have uh, not felt good about it because it felt like I was trying to fill a role. Like a lot of times when people say I'm dating intentionally, I want to get married. I want this. I want that. And that doesn't resonate for me. So for anyone else that that doesn't resonate for, maybe the idea of making decisions, taking your power, like not because I think it's so easy with dating, especially nowadays when we're all dating multiple people most of the time at the same time, it's easy to just float along, you know, and just keep going be like, well, this is fun. This is great. Which I I think there is a place in life for that. But if you do want to date with intention, I think that's when you have to start taking responsibility for your love life, your love life, making decisions um, and really driving the bus instead of just going along with things. I'm trying really hard to never say again, well, that date was fun. If he asked me out again, I'd go. I'm going to try to never say that again. because, And I used to. I think that's me not dating intentionally when I'm just like going along with things. And the opportunity presented itself. Okay, sure. That's not being intentional. I don't think. So Heather, I know that you have 
some dating principles, which maybe is your version of dating intentionally. Let's talk more about that. Yes. So, okay. So I just got out of a year long, I would call it a serious relationship. You know, we had to end it at a certain point, but it was serious. We were in love with each other. It was a big deal. So this time I was like, I think I want to try some different things. Maggie and I have talked about this quite a bit because we're both like database, like we want to try things, see how it goes. And, and that's something that we're very similar in. And so that's how I was approaching this last round. So I wrote things down, wrote down what I'm looking for and responsibilities that I'm going to require of myself as I'm dating. So in terms of anyone I date, the must haves. So they have to, we have to be aligned on values. They have to be able to match my energy. I'm a very assertive person. Everyone knows exactly what I'm thinking at all times. Nothing is hidden here. And I am very confident and I will take action. And I need to be with someone who is that same way. I can't be with someone who's, I mean, some people that are very assertive like being with a passive partner. That's not me. I want someone who's on my level. Um, I need someone who's emotionally supportive where if I'm having a bad day, they are assertive about talking to me about it, where they have empathy for what I'm going through. I know that sounds like table stakes, but I have actually dated people that are not good at that. And for me, that's really important. They also need to have strong relationship skills. They need to plan dates. They need to check in. They need to communicate well. They need to be able to be kindly candid and tell me what they're thinking and feeling and, and to do thoughtful things. And then I know this is a lot, but I think these are all like truly must-haves. He needs to have his own fully formed life. He can't just latch on to mine. I have a very busy life with a lot of friends, jobs, hobbies, things with my kids. I have a lot of things I'm interested in. I want to be with someone who has his own life and doesn't just like slot into mine. And then they do need to have a stable job and a stable life. Those are half to halves. And then four small things that I think are fun and I would like to have if we can very active. Like Maggie, I work out pretty much every day and they don't need to be doing the same thing I do. And it doesn't mean that their body needs to be incredible. I just care that they work out. I just care that they're active doing something that they really enjoy. They need to be somewhat physically attractive. I need to like want to kiss them. That's helpful. Um, I do want them to be open um, in terms of our physical life. And I do want them to be open to trying new things, going places they've never been, trying things they've never tried before, seeing how that goes. And then lastly, these are the four things I require of myself in my dating strategy. I will only put time into actual connections. If it was just like an okay time, I'm out. There needs to be an actual connection. I'm not going to waste my own time. If I know he's not acting right, if he's not treating me well, I'm not interested and I'm not going to waste my own time. I'm out. I do need to reserve alone time for myself. I'll be honest, I'm failing at that right now. I need to make sure I have my nights at home alone. And then lastly, communicate clearly. If I'm not into it, I need to say, you know what? It was great meeting you, but I don't see a future here. And I've been doing that, which I was not so good at that in the past. I've been doing that and it's actually been helping me make decisions. So I know that was a lot, but those are my principles that I'm using. And I will, in six weeks of trying these out, it's been working for me. So as far as executing though, like some of those things you can know kind of right off the bat, I yeah. feel like it's pretty easy to get a sense that somebody has a lot of hobbies and interests because maybe they're a little hard to schedule with because they have a lot going on, which can be frustrating, but also great because you want someone who's not just sitting around doing nothing. Right. Um, but other things take a little bit time to reveal themselves. So how, how does that factor into how you approach when you've met somebody and start going out on dates? Well, lately, well, first of all, I think I've been picking better men that are better matches for me. So I've actually been getting to the answers on these pretty quick. 
I would say I've been able to make decisions on all of these within two dates. And I think for me, the thing that has been taking time has been like emotional connection. That's something that takes time, right? But things like, can they communicate well? Are they engaged? Are they taking this seriously? That's something you can figure out pretty quick. Like if they're not good at communicating, if they're not engaged, if they're not coming after you, if they're not trying to get to know you, that's pretty obvious from the beginning, I think. Yeah. I think where a lot of people get so scared with dating is that they invest too much time in the wrong person and they don't, you know, they don't know whatever it is that whatever's on their set of dating principles to help them make those decisions. And I think people get just really like scared of choices and investing time. And I think you have people who cut and run really early or who overdate because they're like, well, I need to find out more. And I think that's really, really challenging to, to navigate. I think, I think that's a really hard line, actually. I, mm-hmm. I have found it's much easier for me today since I've been dating with intention you know, I back to the data and me, I had a spreadsheet where I listed out how many first dates I've been on in the last year. I've gone on 14 first dates. And of those 14, two, uh, four of them have made it to a second date. Okay. Those other, those men that did not make it, it was because I knew right away that they were not for me. I was able to clearly look at my own set of must-haves and principles and values And I was able to say, nope, didn't feel it, you know, and um, I've gotten really good at kindly letting them know that, hey, it's not a match. I wish you well. Good luck. But it's that over dating that I still kind of struggle with where it's like they're not a hell no. You know, there's some good Mm -hmm. things there. They might meet some of my my, you know, values or match some of those things that are important to me. But I do feel like I need more time. But do I really I mean, that's the question, right? It's like, it becomes that question of is when to really look inside and listen to your gut and then being able to end it after you've spent, you know, a month or two with somebody that for me is where I struggle still today. So we're not perfect at this, but you know, it's a process. This week's presenting sponsor, Custom Core Fit, works to empower and educate clients while providing the tools and knowledge necessary to change habits. Their clients have many options available to them, including a nutrition plan designed for your preferences and dietary needs, as well as a personalized weight training and cardio program. Custom Core Fit's ultimate goal is to support their clients with the education and guidance they need to live a healthy, sustainable lifestyle long-term. I think that's a good question. How do you guys think you know the difference between whether you're over dating and whether you just need to give something more time? For me, I think it's that like level of excitement with someone like, am I excited to get to know them more? Am I learning that we have more common interests and want to make plans to go do things? And those are similar, again, similar interests and similar wants. Um, and then like all the little stuff, like how, how are they commute? Like I, you know, someone doesn't communicate in the way that you need them to communicate. Those things aren't going to change. Like what are the things of this is the core of who this person is and that's who they are. And those things aren't going to change. And is that negotiable? Um, so if those things all line up and I'm still really excited to get to know them, then it's easier for me to feel like it makes sense to continue dating. And if so, those things are starting to not line up, then if you're complaining to your friends more about this person and sharing how great they are, that's usually your sign you have overdated. Yeah, I agree. And I, 
I kind of going back to the intention part and what your our lists of you know non-negotiables or must-haves. The questions I ask myself are these: I have three C's, and you know this old phrase: C's get degrees. So you know, <laughs> I have it's three C's that I live by. It's curiosity, chemistry, and comfort. So if those three things are there after the first date, they immediately move on. You get the second date. You don't go to jail. So <laughs> they get if if I feel. Like if there's something about them that I'm curious about, meaning I want to know more about something that they're into or their perspective is different from mine, you know, how boring is it to date somebody that thinks just like you, right? Like I don't want somebody that has the exact same ideas or belief system values. Yes, there are some core values that must be aligned, but I love learning about how other people think and how other yeah. people's opinions are formed. So for me, curiosity is huge. And that goes the other way too. Are they curious about me? Did I feel like mm-hmm. they asked me questions? Did they want to get to know more about me? Or did they just love talking about themselves all, the whole time? Because my God, how many first dates I've been on where it's just like, blah, 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 blah. I know you'll sit there and you'll be like, have you asked me a question? Like, do you, and I feel like you'll like tee up something like, oh, I'm going to whatever, something that I was going to do or plan or whatever, like a perfect opportunity to ask a question nothing in return or somebody I went on a first date with and I asked questions about his kid and I would reference my children and he never even asked me like how many kids I had and I was like what am I doing here like I don't understand how people live their lives not but some people I think also just are not that curious well I have to tell y'all a story about this well two things first I'm really sorry that all of y'all can't hear Maggie recap all the first dates that she goes on because it's literally a comedy show and it's my most entertaining thing after she goes on a first date because she gets very animated and it's just kind of hilarious (laughs) that's first of all but then second of all I have a story about this so I went on a first date with someone and I thought he was really interesting I was excited to go on it we were hitting it off really well over text but then we got there he wasn't really like connecting, trying to get to know me. And then later on in the date, somehow things got to talking about sex. And later I was like, oh, how did that happen? I don't like it when that happens on a first date. But we did. And in the moment, he said something like, you know, you got a lot more interesting when we started talking about sex. And I was like, and then what was funny, so we had like, you know, he found a bunch of things. And I was like, well, you're not going to find out. You're not going to experience any of this. Later on, he sent me a text. He was like, hey, so I'd love, I'd like to go out again. And I was like, yeah, but you low-key said I was boring. So I don't know about that. <laughs> like, I mean, y'all know me. Like, there are things to ask me that are interesting. And he wasn't asking, so he didn't know. And I don't know. I was, that's just a funny story. But I was annoyed by that. I was like, <laughs> What? Well, and now I play this fun game where I I used to, this is where I feel like there's some real growth here. I used to go out with people and feel this responsibility to keep the conversation going. And I was terrified of the downtime, you know, the uncomfortable moments where nobody has anything to say. And I think I'm a pretty good conversationalist. I mean, I'm generally a curious human. I love to ask questions. I don't think I'm an interviewer. I'm not going to interview you on a first date, but you know, if they don't come back with questions, I just sit there. I just wait. I'm like, okay, you want this to be awkward. Fine. I used to put this pressure on myself where I would feel the need to then just share information about myself, but no, you don't deserve that. You don't even deserve to know more about this because you're going to be so poor at it, you know? Um, so I just, I think that right there, that's an example of growth and being intentional. You know, I'm going to intentionally not fill the space, fill the awkwardness for the sake of their comfort level. Because again, that's my other C. 
is being comfortable. Is there comfort between me and this person? Can I feel like myself? I am such, I used to be such a chameleon. I could transform into any, and I still am. I can go into any situation and kind of fit in or kind of be the person that I need to be in whatever environment I'm in. But when I'm with a potential partner, I just want to feel like myself. And I can't tell you how many dates I've been on where I leave that. And I feel like, God, they did not get to know me at all. They probably think that I am boring, but it's not my fault. It's because they, the conversation or the energy, it just didn't match where I was able to relax and let my true personality come out, you know? And that's probably really reflective of how it would be to date that person. And that's what I try and keep in mind because those that I have dated in a real way, I can think back to our first dates and be like, oh, he told really great stories on that me and that continued throughout our relationship or we connected over this and that is still is something that we talk about or how it is. I feel like, again, people can say they're bad at dating or they're just so nervous on first dates or all of those things. And I'm more of an introvert and I have a harder time with those things, but I know that I come to a date planning to make conversation, to ask questions, to get to know that person. And if somebody can't bring that to a first date, then I don't think they can bring anything else to a relationship. Mm -hmm. Well, you're kind of making me think about too, because I think women are really bad about that. Like somehow we put this pressure on ourselves to like be interesting and have a great Mm -hmm. date and keep the conversation going. And to a degree that I don't really see men doing that. Like I feel like I never see a man do that, but women are really bad about that. And I, you know, this latest round of dating, I've really focused on dating without fear. Like I, I am thinking entirely about how I feel about that other person. How are they showing up? And I've been trying it that way. And honestly, it's been very freeing. And it's like a weight has been lifted because I think you're, whenever you're dating with fear, like, do they like me? Do they, are they interested in me? When you have that in play, it doesn't feel very good. I don't think, and I, I don't know. So I've been trying just like taking that out of my brain, putting it somewhere else and not letting that come into play. And honestly, it's made dating like 800 times better to not even think about that fear, to not engage with that fear and just really focus on what I think and what I feel and empowering myself, like not looking externally for that power. And that's the first time my whole life I've ever tried it this way. And it's been much less stressful to be honest. Now I don't feel bad if someone's like, I'm not feeling it that's okay. It's fine. Well, I think that comes perfectly. That's a perfect tee up there for uh, the whole mantrix. Concept. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. And, and, but just to finish that thought too, I think a lot of that power, you know, you always say to me on the group chat, take your power back. You know, this isn't about, about if they like you, it's not, it's, but it really has to come from loving yourself first and knowing what you're worth and knowing, no, I am an amazing person, you know, and it's, It is what this is all about is putting your best self out there and deciding if you like that person, right? Not do they like me back? No, it's not about that. So I think that for me was how I really started thinking about this mantrix idea of having multiple people in play at one time, because it allows me to really pay attention to how I feel with each person and to almost have something to compare it to. And I know it's different from how you're doing it right now, but that's why we are, we're talking. Cause I think yeah. it's interesting to have different pr- approaches, Yeah, but I'm happy to explain a little bit more yeah. about the matrix now, if you'd like. Yeah. Can you tell us what it is and then how you use it? Cause I think a it's, I'm sorry, again, everyone is not privy to all the details of the matrix. I think on one hand, it's very, it seems like a very useful tool. It's also very entertaining for all your friends. I don't really know. I've heard of the mantrix, but I don't know that I've ever had it explained to me. So I'm ready. (laughs) What is it? 
this is my, this is, yeah, I have to say disclaimer. I read a book. Um, it's called the four man plan. All right. It was given to me and I read the whole thing and then I made some notes and I developed my own personal version of what they referred to as the matrix. Now the concept is, again, it's about really loving yourself, getting to know what your values are, getting to know what your non-negotiables are and what your deal breakers are, outlining those clearly. I mean, the first part of the whole book has you go through these exercises of writing it down. So you know, without a doubt, when you're out there dating, if these people don't match straight to jail and to jail is something I it's like how I, in my brain, it's like, you're out, you know, you do not get to continue on. And that part has been for me, the, the thing that I've been working on the most. Now you have a matrix. It's, it's a, it's a chart. Okay. And when you're out there on the apps, the goal is to bring these men off the apps and put them into your chart. All right. And this is a figurative chart. I mean, I actually do write things down on paper and draw little boxes and everything, but that's more for the comedic value there for our <laughs> chat. Um, Don't but, forget the stick men that you draw too. It's the, the fine art component of the mantrix. <laughs> yeah. Taking up different quadrants in the mantrix. Yes. Um, so anyway, when you're on the apps, like I said, I, what I did first is I set an intentional dating period in my phone on my calendar. And I said, I'm going to give this three months from December 15th to March 15th. This is the time period where I'm going to be intentional. And it, we already talked about what that means for me. But one thing I'd like to add with that is I said, I would intentionally check in with my messages every day. I would respond when somebody messaged me because I have three jobs, three kids. I get busy and sometimes I'd forget to respond and then I'd get unmatched. And so I made a real effort to be responsive in a timely manner. So I did all of those things. And I said, I'm going to put some real effort in, in the hopes of getting back a relationship at the end of that three month period. If I'm not in a healthy, happy relationship, then I would cancel my dating apps and I would take a break. And that's where I'm at right now. I'm not active on any dating app. In fact, I ended my intentional dating period a little early because I was feeling burnt out because this does become kind of like a job. I mean, it takes real time and real effort in responding to people. And I got really burnt out with being on social media and just having an app open all the time and swiping, you know, it take you get burned out. So I strongly suggest opening up a calendar and setting that for whatever period of time works for you. The other strategy I used when developing my mantrix and my, my chart was I focused solely on one app at a time. I found that having multiple apps open at once and having all these different conversations everywhere was making me feel too frazzled. So what my strategy was, if I did it, if I used Hinge, I would go through, I'd set my filters and I would swipe through all of the profiles. And then when they said, you've run out of matches, consider altering your filters, I'd shut down that app and I'd go to another one and I'd use Bumble. And I would use that. And then if that happened to get through, same thing, I would then go back to Hinge and maybe make some adjustments, think about re, you know, adjusting my profile, adding new pictures, that kind of thing. So that was kind of my strategy when it came to using the apps. Then what would happen is if I would engage in a conversation with a man and I, my goal is always to quickly move that to a phone call or a text, at least on your phone move the conversation off the app as soon as possible. As soon as you feel some sort of connection, I usually do two or three back and forths. And if I feel like we're jiving, we have a good vibe straight to the phone. So then I can communicate with them more regularly in a way that's natural for me. 
So um, once they come into my phone contact, I give them a lovely little nickname that I share with my group chat ladies. So we all know <laughs> what we're talking about. And then they go into the matrix. And um, once the phone numbers have been exchanged, that's step one, they become what I call a quarter man. Okay. <laughs> so they take up a quarter of a square on the mm-hmm. chart. They're now a quarter man. If we then go on a first date and I don't send them to jail, they don't, you know, if they move on, they become a half man. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now they're taking two quadrants of my four quarters of the chart. Does that make sense? Are we all yep. together on this? Yep. Yeah. You get okay. more squares the further you go. Yes. The further okay. you progress along. Okay. okay. Now in your matrix, you have the ability to have four plan men, four whole men that have taken up four spaces in the quadrants. So, so you can have a total of four, quad, like four, do you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. four squares with the potential for four full men in each square. And the idea is then to date all four men at once. So you can really ask yourself, do I feel comfortable with this person? Are, am I curious about him? Is he curious about me? Is there chemistry there? Now in the book, they would say, you don't sleep with any of these men in your matrix. You keep sex out of it. Once you sleep with that person, they become a full man. Okay. They are no longer in quarters. They take up that whole space. You can't add anybody else into that box or that. Okay. Okay. Um, and it really is best to keep the sex out of it. I've found, I feel like that for me personally, I can't, I'm not somebody that could be in bed with multiple people at one time. And everyone has their own comfort level with that, obviously. But for me, that's not happening. Um, and so when you, advance through the quadrants, you do that by advancing in time and in intimacy and on numbers of dates. They can move back. So they, in the book, one thing I kind of agree with is distance. So if the person lives far away, they can never be a full man. (laughs) They can only be a three quarters man because that sets them at a disadvantage. But if you cross the boundary and you become intimate with them, they can. But it's just saying in the beginning, and also you're only allowed one distance man in your whole matrix at a time. Oh, okay. You can't, okay. Have more, you can't have a man in California and a man in Colorado. It's like, Seems fair. Only one <laughs> that's reasonable can be in the matrix at a time. So okay. I like that rule. I kept that rule. Um, although I swear to God, Tinley Park feels like a another that's state. another universe that's another <laughs> and so I talked to someone for a while from Tinley Park and I was like oh I don't think so it's yeah too far. it's so, too far so I think the thing that's the ta- the real takeaway here is to not get too hung up on the rules but to make your own rules you know and the concept for me has been collecting numbers collecting dates going on as many first dates as I can figuring out what my values are talking to multiple people at once to really get to know who do I feel best with? It's not about who likes me the most. It's really is like, who do I, who am I most excited to hear from? Who do I want to give this time to? Um, and pretty soon you dwindle it down. The idea is that you just have one man, you know, that yeah. you enter a relationship with. Now, can I ask you, so you're starting your break now. How are you going to use this break time before the you break- go back in? It's about, for me, it's about recharging and getting, filling my cup back up with things that don't revolve around giving to others, Mm -hmm. other than my friends and my children, of course. 
Um, it's about filling myself back up. So spending more time with my girlfriends, going to the beach, if that's what makes me happy, um, doing more journaling, more yoga, more meditation. And then also though, reflecting back on the men that I have met and been in dates and contact with to see what lessons have I learned from being involved with that person? Where did I not show up as my best? Where can I be better next time? Because I really do think, and Heather, you said it, you're getting better at, at picking people. You know, I feel like this time around my dating has been so much more enjoyable in so many ways because the people I'm spending time with are so much better than the people that I spent time with fresh out of my divorce. Some of those men that I dated fresh from my divorce, I would never even swipe right on those yahoos. Never. Yeah. So, um, I think it's just a good time to really reflect, recharge and kind of just distract, you know, get the distractions out of your mind and take a break. That makes sense. I mean, the matrix doesn't really sound that different than like the bachelor or the bachelorette, other than there are more people in play and they get to go to a lot of, you know, exotic locations, which I think clouds a lot of people's vision of like what dating that person will be like, because obviously that's not real life, but it's, it's one of those shows where you're always like, how can they handle so many relationships with so many, with so many people at the same time? And I do think 20 or whatever, the bachelor has too many people, but it does help you understand of what, what does a connection feel like? And sometimes if you are just dating one person, it's hard to understand, well, is it just nice to be with someone or is it more lust versus a real connection or kind of what does that look like? And I feel like I would think if there are a few people in play, like you are able to more understand one that I'm like, oh, that isn't actually a person for me because I feel very different with this other person. And that that feels more like a a real connection to me. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think also when you have a few people that you've been talking to or dating, you take from each relationship, the things that you like about it. And you think to yourself, oh, I really like the way this guy communicates. You know, he's really expressive or he's really responsive on text throughout the day. And, or I really like the way I feel in person with this guy. He might not be the best communicator over text or over the phone, but we have a whole lot of fun. And so it's interesting to see if you're only with one person, you're not getting to experience all of those things of what it could be. And so it helps me when it comes to finding one person that kind of encompasses everything. And like you said, we've all said before, not everyone's going to have every single quality that we're looking for. You know, we're not looking for perfection here because we're not perfect ourselves, but it does help me to learn how I do like to be talked to throughout the day. What type of texting works for me? Do is this person willing to do, you know, FaceTimes with me throughout the week if they live in a different area than I do? Um, so there's so many little things that you can get to know about all of these different people that you learn. Oh, I like that. Oh, I like that. I don't like that, you know? Yeah. And on the flip side, I'm dating completely opposite of that, which is Let's interesting. Talk about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's work and it's working for me. That's what I think is the big takeaway here is that there are all kinds of ways to do this and none of them are right or wrong for the most part. But I think it's interesting. You get different things based on how you approach it. And for me, okay. So I've been on six first dates. If I'm counting correctly, I believe it's six, six first dates in this last, in this current round of dating. I have, I don't think I've gone on any second dates except for one person that I'm dating now. What I have decided to try. So in the past, I've always dated multiple people at the same time. 
you know, unless we made a decision to be exclusive, which I've only made that decision with one person, which is the relationship I just got out of. We decided to be committed to each other and exclusive. Other than that, I've always dated multiple people at the same time. And something I noticed about myself is that if it's mostly okay, I'll just keep on going. I will keep on going forever without making any decisions. And so what I decided to try that I know that about myself. So this time I decided to require myself to make decisions. So I have been going on first dates. There was one person I wanted to see again. And I, we, I think we've been on four or five dates at this point. I have decided once I've gone on two to three dates with someone, I need to make a decision, keep going with them and only them. And I don't even have to, and here's the thing. I don't even necessarily tell them I'm only dating them. It's more just a decision I've made for myself because I want to actually decide for myself. You are who I want to get to know. You are who I want to spend time with. And if not to call it off so that I can then get to know other people. I have a big problem with wasting my own time and this is forcing me to make decisions. And if I already know this person is not a big love for me, I need to let them go. I need to stop that connection and and go find somebody else, go meet other people, go on other first dates. And I also have learned that I don't think I feel great when I've been on four or five, six, seven, eight dates with someone and we're both still out there dating other people. Like for me, I actually want to push myself to make a decision. Do I want to pursue something with this person that I've met or do I want to call it a day and move on? And I don't think that's how, what everybody needs to do. It's just kind of addressing some of my weaknesses and that I'll just keep right on going and be very comfortable. And I, I think I want to do better for myself now. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Mine is more of the single man plan instead of the mantrix plan. Single man plan. <laughs> yeah. Man plan. I like that too, though. And I think that there's a different, you know, I think the idea is to try different things. You know, I've definitely been in that camp as well. I remember my first round after my, my marriage ended, I met someone pretty quickly. And I remember saying to him after three dates, Oh, I don't need to meet a lot of other men to know when I found somebody good. And I think I still love that idea. I think at the time that was the wrong idea for myself, but I can see maybe, you know, after this break that I take, that could be the strategy I try next. Well, you never know. Um, because now I have learned a lot about what I like, what I don't like, my expectations and my standards are pretty high. So maybe if I can find one person that meets a lot of those and maybe then we try the single man plan. Yeah. It's been interesting. And honestly, I never saw myself trying dating this way. You know, as Laura and I have talked about quite a bit on this podcast, that's how, that is how Laura dates. It's never been how I date. Uh, but it's really been working for me in this season of my life. And to your point, Maggie, that's not always the right way to do it based on where you're at in your life. Sometimes, and Maggie and I have also talked about this a whole lot. Sometimes you need to go out there and meet a lot of people and be kind of um, wild just a little bit, you know, and sometimes you are in a season where you need to do that. That's okay. Other times you want to do meet a lot of people, see what's out there, get to know them, but with multiple people in play. And then for me, trying one person at a time, which I've never done that before. And it's been working for me and it's been forcing me to make decisions. I'm so bad about not making decisions about this and not taking ownership of my own love life. So this has been making me be better. Well, it pushes you to trust yourself a little bit more. And I think that also comes with what stage you're in because dark days, as we call them, like you don't trust yourself. You don't know a lot of what you're doing in this arena and it's really hard. And I think that 
isn't always the best time to do the one man plan because you probably aren't great at choosing the right people to spend your time with and focus on. And that can lead you again into a relationship where you're over dating. You don't trust your decisions and you can, you know, and that relationship and look back and like, whoa, I just spent nine months with a person who I never would have dated and who maybe didn't treat me very well. And it wasn't very fulfilling and all of these things because, you kind of leapt into a relationship quicker than maybe you should have. Um, But I think there is a piece of when you've been out there dating more and you have more experiences and like we've talked about here, you know, what your dating principles are, your goals, your intentions, whatever you want to call it, then you can trust yourself a little bit more to just date one person for a little while. And because you can also trust yourself to end it if it doesn't feel right. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that is the key right there. Trusting yourself enough knowing when it's time to end it. That is the, for me, that is always the hardest thing. I know, you know, in my head, I know based on my data and my expectations, but it's still so hard to, to just kind of end it and walk away. But especially if it's a nice person and you're like, well, I don't want to walk away from a really nice person, but there are lots of nice people out there, but they may not be the person that you're supposed to be dating, but it's hard because you know that there are a lot of not great people out there as well who are on dating apps who you can match with. So you're like, oh, well, I know that this one is a nice person. I should stay here. And that's just not always, not always the right answer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've talked a lot too. I've had a lot of these conversations, Maggie and Lauren, you and I have also talked about it, about how making healthy decisions for yourself or making decisions on your own behalf is a muscle. It's a practice. It's. I think a lot of times I remember some of my married friends got frustrated with me because I was acting kind of wild, you know, right after I left my marriage. But I think what, because I think they felt like th- these are the choices you should be making. Why don't you just do it? And what I think nobody understood, including myself at that time, is that making healthy choices and getting healthy and advocating for yourself is actually a practice and a muscle that you grow over time. It's not easy at first. It's like you see those people that are in toxic relationship after toxic relationship after toxic relationship. It's hard to shift your behavior. It's hard to make those healthy choices. Even if your brain knows what you should do, I think it takes a long time for your heart to catch up. And so... I try to tell people to be easy on themselves if they're having a hard time making the right decision for themselves, that over time, you're going to get better and stronger at it until one day it's really not that hard anymore. And I wanted to share that uh, to that note. Um, One of the things that I, and I mentioned this earlier that I struggled with before was after going on that first date, then sending that person a message, letting them know that I wasn't interested by nature. I would, I used to be an avoider. And I think a lot of people and a lot of men still struggle with this, especially men they'll avoid because they don't want to hurt someone's feelings. And that used to be me as well. And I remember thinking to myself, God, I don't even want to go on this first date because it more than likely I'm not going to have a good time. And then I'm going to have to hurt his feelings. And so I would avoid that. And then I realized after talking with you and some of my friends, it's like, no, a lot of this is just ego, right? Like there, it's not going to end their world. If I decide to tell them I'm not interested and to have a nice life, like that's, they're probably going to be like, Oh, that's a bummer. And then move right along. And so what I used to struggle with is sending that message. Well, one strategy I put in place for myself was I would write the message out. I would send it. And then I would give my phone to my girlfriend and then I would let her read his response back. (laughs) 
And then I would say, is it okay? Can I read it? And she'd be like, yes, Maggie, it's fine. (laughs) And the reason that I struggled with this so badly was because right out of my divorce, when I did do this, there was a man then that came back and just ripped me a new one. He was so nasty to me when I told him I didn't want to meet up with him. And, um, I just had this like reaction where I thought, oh my God, this is how everyone's going to respond. And so I had such a hard time with that. And so now I put that strategy in place of having my friend kind of buffer now to a point I can do it. No problem. I can read their responses back. And honestly, everyone that I've ever had to say that to has been nothing but kind and gracious. I've never had a reaction like that before, but it's that idea of using that muscle and just practicing it and doing the uncomfortable the more you do it, the better you're going to get at it. And so I'm hoping that I can treat other areas of my dating life the same way. And I'll be a pro come summer. <laughs> we'll see. Well, it's about treating yourself kindly because it's so easy to feel like a failure, right? Because after divorce, your self-esteem is in you know the gutter a lot of times. And so it's so easy to be hard on yourself and to feel all the stress and just understanding that you don't have to be perfect at it right from the jump. You don't have to jump right to doing it right. This is all a process and a journey and it's okay that you have to work through things. And that doesn't mean that anything's wrong with you. I, that was a big lesson for me. Yeah, same. All right. So I know the three of us just happened to all date men. What are some things that you all wish men did differently in dating? <laughs> Laura? <laughs> Laura just made a face. Y'all can't see it. Laura made a face. So I feel like Laura has many things to say about this. I just, I, <laughs> I think what we've, no, I think what we've touched on a little bit in that, I think we've all noticed that there are a lot of things that we do that men don't as far as being more thoughtful and just more tapped in and, you know, just down to like, we prep so much for a date. I know Heather, you get so frustrated if somebody cancels at the last minute where it's like, oh, we've spent all of like that lack of thoughtfulness of how you treat other people. I feel like often we've encountered men who treat their friends far better than they treat someone they go on a first date with. Um, But I feel like everything we've talked about again is I've never heard men talk about sitting and dating with intention and being so careful and thoughtful and all of these things. And I'm sure it's out there, but I do think that it skews a little bit more that women tend to put in a little bit more of that effort. I do have to share a funny story here. I was at a restaurant and I was sitting next to two men who actually were talking about relationships and dating. And like, I've never, cause I think you're right. Men don't sit down and do this, but these particular two men were, and it was just so funny cause it sounded like all of us, but it was two guys, which I wouldn't have expected. And they were in their twenties and they're, and I was just laughing so hysterically because they were having very serious conversations about dating and dating well and relationships, like exactly like it was us. But there was one part that just put me over the top. He was like, I just think when you meet the right person, you don't know it here. He pointed at his head. You know it here. And he put his hand over his heart. (laughs) (laughs) But I do, I mean, to this point, to give a real answer, I do feel like my one big thing is that I wish more men communicated clearly. I feel like, I mean, you know, and that's something that women could do better too. But I think for me and my encounters with men, if you're not in it, into it, call it off. If you want to go out, say so. If you just want to sleep with me, say so. If you want to do this, say so. Like, just say it. Like, that's how I live my life. Like, I just say it. And if you don't like it, fine. But I have come to the table and told you the truth, my truth. I do it. 
And so for me, that is probably the best way to piss me off is someone who can't just say what they're thinking, say what they're feeling, come in and communicate clearly. I'm not going to, as long as you're someone's telling me the truth, I'm not going to get mad. I get frustrated when it feels like someone's not being forthcoming or they're being confusing and not just being forthcoming about what they're thinking. That frustrates me. Yeah. I think that's a huge one for me too. It's just be, you know, I don't think I'm a scary person. I think I'm a pretty um, kind, forgiving person, especially. And I think when people can't communicate their clear intentions, it is so maddening. It's it, to your point. It's like, if you don't want to continue talking, you're not interested in this, just let me know, save us all. Because I think it goes back to what I was saying. Also met, I think a lot of men struggle with avoiding and avoidance because they don't want to hurt someone. So they'll wait and they'll wait and they'll wait to cancel, say a date that they've planned and then cancel on you last minute when they can't possibly wait any longer, because now it's, it's go time. And you have to either show up at this time or you got to cancel. They have to cancel. They don't, what you don't realize is that's so much more hurtful than if you would have just said it five days ago and told the person who then wasn't keeping that time and that space for you. I just think that's such that's so disrespectful. And I just wish people would just have the cojones to like, you know, be honest and recognize that it's mostly your ego that is the, yeah. the problem there. That is the biggest thing for me. And I think um, my other, the other thing I wish that men would just be honest about, um, I guess that your dating goals, like when you find out, if when you figure out that you're not into somebody or if you figure out, I just want to casually date, just be honest about that too. Because guess what? Maybe that's my my intention as well. I don't know. But um, people who lie and say, oh no, I want a relationship. And then, you know, you find out that they're dating your three best friends as well. And so I just wish there was less of that, just the, the dishonesty around intention and the, the doing of the work. I feel like when I talk to my girlfriends, so many of us have done the work. You know what I mean? We yeah. go to therapy. We get in the best shape of our lives. I saw some meme. It was like woman's revenge and it shows like the computer and the bo- the bodybuilding and like the exercise, the friends, all of these things. And then the men's revenge is like the emoji of the woman and with like all the different hair colors. It's like, just, just put some work into yourself. Like we are, we're trying to become the best versions of ourselves. And these men are just filling their cups by dating and, you know, swiping and the gratification from that. So what do y'all yeah. wish women did differently? I mean, I think Heather, we've covered this on past a past thirsty episode, but stop worrying about what he thinks and worry about what you think. I think that is the top thing that yeah. I see or hear in dating environments and dating groups and all of that. So laser focused on how he's going to react, what he thinks, what he's doing, what, and every decision is wrapped around what that man may or may not be thinking or saying or doing and never about how they feel, how the woman feels about it and what she wants out of the situation. Like stop caring about, they don't spend that much time caring about you. They just don't. I think mine would be to quit wasting your own time. I plus one to what you just said, but what I will share is you know, it really hurts my heart a lot. And like, I'll try not to get emotional about this. Um, I think because of this podcast, Laura and I get a lot of messages from other women who are divorced and dating. And you know, what really hurts my heart is when we encounter someone who just keeps picking toxic situations. They're with a man that makes them cry. They're with a man that's cheating on them and they know he's cheating on them and they keep going or a man who does drugs. 
um, a man who, and I don't mean pot, you know, a man who is mean to them, a man who doesn't show them he cares for them and loves them and is a partner, someone who yells at them or is abusive and they keep going or they keep picking. And I say this as someone who has done this. So I'm, I'm not saying this from a place of judgment. I am one of them. I have been one of them. And it really hurts my heart to see women continue to choose that situation. And I think when you're a woman who does that, it's real easy to be like, oh, I'm a victim. No, you know what's happening. You can choose to get out of it. You need to do that. And that really hurts my heart to hear those stories and women that you know their life could be so much better and they just keep choosing these situations that are so bad for them. So I wish women would be better about ending those things and choosing better for themselves. I'm going to plus one on that too. I think for me, what I want to do differently next time is really raise up my standards even higher and just stop accepting less than what I deserve and just really remembering who I am and, you know, all of the good things about me that my friends recognize, that my family recognizes and really ask myself, is this what I deserve? And if the answer is no, then having that strength to walk away, even if the person is a nice person, like what you just described, Heather, it's like, I don't, I'll never go back to an abusive relationship or anybody that's, you know, to that extreme ever again, but it's now it's the smaller things like just the communication issues or the, you know, kind of some respect stuff or just valuing of time and, putting in effort, those types of things that sometimes I just let slide and I really know better and I know I shouldn't. So I think it's time to level up a little bit and just ask someone to give me back the same effort that I know that I'm capable of putting in. Yeah, this feels like a good spot to wrap up. Well, thank you everybody for listening this week. Thank you, Maggie. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Thank you all for listening and we will be back next week. Bye. Still thirsty? You can get bonus content by subscribing to The Thirst Trap on Spotify or Apple. Or shop Thirsty Gear at thirstythepodcast.com. And don't forget to share this show with your community. Rate, review, and follow us on all of your favorite podcasting platforms.